We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. As you're standing, take your Bibles, turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, continuing the series Positioned, reading verses 1 through 4 this morning as our text. Now I'm going to tell you right now, the outline isn't going to do you much good because I kind of went off the rails this morning, so uh, save that for next week, all right? You can read all those scriptures and you can preach it for me next week. How about that? All right, I like that. Second Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. To those who have obtained like precious faith. I want to stop there for just a moment and want to ask you, does that apply to you? Are you one of those who have obtained like precious faith through the Lord Jesus Christ? If that's you, will you shout amen? Amen. That's me. I've obtained the faith in Jesus Christ with us by the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. As his divine power, whose divine power? Jesus Christ. As the divine power of Jesus Christ has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, of which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Father, right now, add your anointing to the preaching of your word, touch the hearts and the lives of your people, and let us hear, receive, and respond to the truth of God today. We ask it in your name. Amen. You may be seated. In your bulletin this morning, you do find an outline. Again, it's not going to be much use to you because I'm going a different direction. We'll pick this up on Sunday morning. But I wanted you to note at the bottom of that uh, outline... Our good friend Jessica Lopez, who is not here today because Daniel's uh, grandmother passed away there in Tampa for the memorial service, put a line, feel free to laugh at my jokes. Can you believe that? All of my jokes are worthy of laughter. There's no question about it. But this is why she put that in. Because I ran this story by her last week and she just flat didn't get it. But I thought seeing that we were, yeah, she's a millennial and some other things as well. Uh, <laughs> I love her to death. I love you, Jessica, but this is a great story. I thought since it's back to school Sunday and we're praying for our teachers and students, administrators, all those involved in education at the close of the service this morning, a story about a student and a teacher would be very fitting and appropriate. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. It makes perfect sense. So it seems that one day there was a kindergarten teacher at the close of the day who had one of her students ask her to help him put his cowboy boots back on. For one reason or other, he had taken them off. So she went over to him very gladly to help him, and they began pushing and pulling and tugging and sweating and finally got the boots back on. And then when she got them on, the little boy looked down at his feet and said, Teacher, they're on the wrong feet. She said, Oh my goodness, I can't believe it. So she pushed and pulled and tugged and finally got him back off, repeated the process again, sweat streaming down her face got the boots on him. And when he got them on the second time, he said, teacher, these aren't my boots. She was exasperated. She wanted to scream. Why didn't you tell me? But she bit her tongue and went through the same process again and managed to get him off of his feet finally. And then when she got off, he said, they're my brother's boots. My mama made me wear them this morning. At that point, she wanted to throttle him. If you've ever had a boy, you understand what I'm talking about. 
So she went through the process again and for the third time, pushing, pulling, tugging, sweating, finally got the boots back on his feet. Then she got his coat and put it on him and said to him, where are your mittens? He said, oh, I tucked them into the toes of my boot when I got here. (laughs) Come on, you tell me that isn't funny. Now that's just, see, just they're all laughing. They got it. See, Sadie, they got it. All right. Today, I want to talk to you about standing in the promise of God. Understanding all that God has prepared and provided for you and I. You know, that teacher had to stand in that place where she knew she was called to be. There are times in life when things become difficult. When circumstances challenge our peace. When circumstances disrupt the routine of our lives and we feel tempted at that point to give in. But this morning, I want you to understand the promises of God are yea and amen to those who are in Christ Jesus. Peter said they're exceeding great and precious promises that allow us to partake or become a part of the divine nature of God. Now, you and I understand that Christianity comes when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. When we acknowledge and receive the sacrifice that he made at Calvary. When we say he died and rose again from the dead just for me. And we ask him to forgive us our sins and to come into our lives. Some of you in this room this morning need to do that before we leave this place today. We understand it begins with that moment of conversion, that moment of salvation. But we understand it doesn't stop there. See, it's a progression. It's a continual walk. It's daily walking into the promises of God and understanding all that he has laid up in store for you and me. Great and precious promises. One of those promises is peace. We live in a world that doesn't know much peace, don't we? We live in a world that is filled with chaos. We live in a world that is filled with unrest and uncertainty and fear. Evil has even permeated the life of a child and disrupts their peace. You know, I really believe children should have a happy childhood. Every day, Yvonne and I pray for our grandchildren that God would watch over them, protect them, keep them, put angels round about them, keep evil from their path, that they will have a healthy, happy, normal childhood free of trauma. I believe that's God's will for children. We need to understand, though, many of our children have had that peace disrupted. They've had that promise stolen from them. Child abuse is rampant. That wall out on Main Street, that uh, photo gallery tells us very clearly there's a lot of kids that don't live with their parents anymore because something bad has happened. Their peace has been disrupted. There's gangs and drugs and violence of all type in our schools. Shootings happen seemingly on a regular basis. And we need to pray that God would bind that spirit of murder and insanity that's driving those things. I believe God's promise for his church today is a promise of peace. And if we will grasp that, if we will sink our teeth into it, if we will get a hold of it, then it doesn't matter what's happening out there. I'm at peace in here. It doesn't matter how wicked the storm rages. I'm at peace in my heart and in my mind. What did Jesus say in John chapter 14, verse 27? I want to back up. It's not on the slides, but you can put verse 27 up if you would, please. Verse 1, he began this way in John chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. 
You believe in God, believe also in me. That's what Jesus said. And then he goes on talking to them about the blessings of obedience and the promise of heaven. And then in verse 27, as he's wrapping up this discourse, he says these words to them. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I to you. How many understand that's a promise from Jesus Christ? How many understand that that applies to 2 Corinthians 1.20? All the promises of God are yea and amen to them who are in Christ Jesus. How many understand that correlates to our text this morning in verse 4, where Peter said, We have these exceeding great and precious promises, whereby we become partakers of his divine nature. I want you to hear me this morning. There is no need for you to be troubled. There is no need for you to be in confusion. There is no need for chaos to ruin and rule your life because when the Prince of Peace shows up, he speaks peace into your circumstance and into your hearts. Jesus Christ is that Prince of Peace. He said, peace I leave with you. Peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. You know what he's saying? He's saying, my peace doesn't come in a bottle. My peace you don't buy at Walgreens. My peace doesn't come from pornography that's watching on the computer. My peace doesn't come from outside influences. My peace comes from the Holy Spirit of God who lives and dwells in you. And he reveals to you every day, I am the Prince of Peace. He says it very clearly, not as the world gives, give I unto you. He promised it. But here's the rub. We hear the promise, but how do we live it out? When things get rough, when things get tough, how do we live it out? How do we embrace that peace and embody that peace and live it out on a daily basis? Maybe we should look at the Old Testament for the answer. Because Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, the prophet wrote these words, And I will keep him in perfect peace. Oh, I love that. Not just peace, but perfect peace. And you know that word perfect can also be translated complete, right? You understand that. It's a good translation. If we were to say, I will keep him in complete peace. What's the condition? Whose mind, whose thought patterns, whose mind is stayed or focused on me, on the Lord. I will keep him in complete peace who chooses to put his mind, his thoughts, his attention, his focus, not out there, but up there on the Lord God Almighty. Oh, come on, somebody. He is still Jehovah Shalom. He is still our Prince of Peace. And he has promised to keep us in perfect peace. We need to understand when troubling things happen in our lives, we come back and refocus our attention. We refocus who we are centering on, and that's Jesus Christ. I love the way the Amplified Bible translates this verse, and it's going to be on the screen for you. It says, you will guard him. I like that. You will guard him. You know, when I was on the Hoka Hay, I had some angels guarding me. There was no doubt in my mind about it. Somebody said, were you ever afraid when you're sleeping beside the road? I never knew fear whatever. Why? Because the angel of the Lord encamps around about me. He has given his angels charge over me. He never left me. He never forsook me. I live in his peace. His peace. So it says from the Amplified, you will guard him. Just think about a ring of soldiers surrounding you. Think about those M16s locked and loaded. I'm here to tell you the angels of God are much more powerful than that. Oh, come on, somebody. You need to hear. He said, I will guard you. 
and I will keep him in perfect and constant peace. Whose mind, and I love this, both its inclination and its character. So both that thought that pops into your mind and that constant thought that is there. When the devil tries to infuse a temptation, a doubt, a fear, he said it isn't going to work because I'm going to keep you in perfect, because I've guarded you, I've surrounded you, whose mind has stayed on you, because he commits himself to you, leans on you, and hopes confidently in you. There's a lot of things that try to disrupt our peace, but if we will come to the place where we say, peace is my promise, peace is my promise. Peace is my promise. I will not allow my heart to be disquieted. What did David say? He said, when my heart is overwhelmed, where do I need to go? He said, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. When my heart is overwhelmed, when something's threatening to disrupt my peace, lead me to Jesus. Lead me to the Lord. Lead me to the master. And let him speak into my life one more time. Lead me to that place. A lot of things will attempt to disrupt our peace. But when we are positioned in Jesus Christ, when we understand at the moment of salvation, one of the blessings I receive is peace. And I stand in that position, then regardless of what's happening out here, it's okay in here. It's okay in here. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Write these scriptures down. You need to read them and remember them and recite them and memorize them even. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace. Oh, I like that, don't you? When you bring it all to Him. When you focus your mind on Him. That's what Paul's saying. He's restating Isaiah 26.3 in a different way. He said, when you bring it all to him and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will keep your heart and mind or guard your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. How about Proverbs chapter 16, verse 7? The Bible says, when a man's ways please the Lord. When do our ways please the Lord? When he's the center of our attention. When he's the focus of our life. When he's the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, then he'll direct and guide our steps. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. That's to make somebody in this room shout. Because you've got a lot of enemies. And you're tired of fighting. You're tired of the strife. God said when we please him with our actions, with our lifestyle, he'll make even our enemies be at peace with us. Psalm 29, 11. The Lord will give strength to his people and the Lord will bless his people with prosperity. That's not what it says. The Lord will bless his people with long life and good health. That's not what it says. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Peace, what a great blessing that is. Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing causes them to stumble. Isaiah 54.10, the mountains shall depart. What's Isaiah talking about? He's talking about the temporal and the eternal. He's talking about those things that pass away and those things that will never pass away. He said, the mountains will depart. The mountains shall depart. The hills be removed. But my kindness shall not depart from you. And listen to this. Nor shall the covenant of my peace be removed. 
Oh, I want you to hear that. Nor shall the covenant of my peace be removed. So it's not just a promise. It's a covenanted promise. It means the blood of his son has sealed that promise. And he said, I'm going to give you peace every single day of your life. It's my covenant promise to my people. Oh, somebody ought to shout amen. I'm about to decide that this is doing a lot more for me than it is for you. This is good stuff, folks. You need to apply it every day of your life. 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Now may the Lord of peace give, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord of peace himself is going to give you peace always and in every way. Oh, come on, friend. Do you see the biblical pattern? Do you understand the promise that's laid throughout the Old and the New Testament? Do you understand God made a covenant with you and me through His Son, Jesus Christ? When we accepted Him, He positioned us to live in peace. He positioned us to live in peace. Now listen, doesn't mean things aren't going to get chaotic at times. Doesn't mean you won't have challenges. Doesn't mean the enemy won't try to trip you up and make you stumble. But what it means is he will not succeed. Circumstances will not overcome you. Oh, what did Isaiah say? When the enemy comes in like a flood, comma, the Spirit of God will raise up a standard against him. Oh, somebody hear me this morning. His promise to you and to me is peace. His promise is peace. And we need to accept that and receive that today. You say, oh, but you don't know my situation. And to that I would say, you don't know my God. Come on, somebody. Don't tell me about how bad it is. Tell me how good he is. Don't tell me about how rough it is. Tell me how gracious Jesus is. How merciful he is. How kind he is. How he's never a moment late. How he never misses an appointment. He is always on time when you and I put him first in our lives. You don't know my situation. You don't know my God. If it's promised, I'm going to take it. If it's promised, I'm going to stand on it. If it's promised, I'm going to believe it. There's an Old Testament example of this very principle in 2 Kings chapter 4. It's a story of Elisha the prophet. On his journeys, he would stop by the house of the Shunammite woman, and she would feed him on a regular basis. And after a period of time, she said to her husband, why don't we build him a little room so when he comes, he can stay? So they did. And the next time he came by, she showed him the provision they'd made for him. And he was so moved with her generosity. This is what he said. He said, what can we do for you? How can I bless you? Can I speak to the king? Can I speak to the general of the army? How can I bless you? And the Shinomite woman said, no, everything is fine. In other words, she was saying, I'm content where I'm at, and I don't need anything. So then Elisha sent a servant out, and he no doubt talked to the other servants, because that's where the real scoop is at, you know? So he went and talked to the servants and came back and said, well, the problem is she's never had a child, and she would really like to have a child. But her husband is old, and she's getting old, and biologically it's just not possible. So Elisha calls her in, and he says to her, by this time next year, You're going to have a son. And she said, don't tease me. Don't make promises that will never come true. What was she saying? You touched my heart. That's what I've really wanted all my life. I have all this, but I never had a child. She said, you touched my heart. You centered in on what I really needed. 
And then the story goes on that the child grew. And one day he went out to the fields with his dad and he got sick. And his daddy brought him back in and he was saying, oh, my head, oh, my head. I don't know what was wrong with him, but he was sick. Laid him in his mother's lap and she held him and he died at noon that day. And the mother then took him up and laid him in Elisha's bed. That's significant. You need to understand it. She went back to where the promise came from. Listen, when something's disturbing your peace, you need to go back to where the promise has come from. You need to go back to the Word. You need to go back to the Lord. Listen, God loves it. Jesus loves it. When you hold this book up and say, but you said, you promised, you declared, that's for my life. Oh, God loves it when you go back to the promise. When chaos is occurring in your life, she went back to the promise. And then you read the scripture and it says that she said to her husband, give me a young man to saddle a donkey. I need to go quickly. He said, well, what's wrong? And what did she say? This is what I want you to hear. What did she say? She said, it is well. It is well. Now, listen, the son of promise, this God's sin just died. And she isn't moaning, she isn't grieving, she isn't complaining and griping because she lost what the promise that the the prophet gave to her. But rather she says, it is well. What is she doing? She's coming back and she's standing in the promise that I have peace that cannot be taken away. That if God gave it, God will restore it and do a work in my life. Oh, somebody hear me today. You've been bemoaning what you lost. It's time to stop griping and complaining and looking back. And it's time to start looking up and declaring it is well because the peace of God rules my heart and life. It is well. She said it is well. Listen, this is what I want you to hear. Faith always responds to the promise. Faith does not respond to the circumstance. Faith responds to the promise. The promise of a son was from God. The son died and our faith once again responds to the promise. Faith always responds to the promise. Faith doesn't look out there and say, I'm never going to get through this. I'm never going to get over this. I'll never find another job. I'll never find another spouse. My kids will never come back. My body will never be healed. No, faith responds to the promise. And the promise is, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee, who trusts in the Lord. We need to understand faith responds to the promise. She said to her husband, it's well. Then she went to Elisha's house. And Gehazi, his servant, saw her coming, and he went out to meet her, and he said, Is everything okay? What's the problem? Why are you here? And what did she say? One more time, she said, It is well. It is well, but will you come with me? She didn't tell him her son was dead. She didn't reveal that fact. She said, It is well, because faith responds to the promise. And as she began to leave, he said, now there's something else going on. Come back. And he forced her to tell him, the son which was promised to me has died. So what did Elisha do? He sent his staff and his servant, ran ahead of me, lay it on the boy's face. And the woman said, I'm not leaving you. Why wasn't she leaving him? Because he was the source of the promise. 
He's the guy that made the promise to her. Oh, come on, friend, hear me. When things go south, the temptation is to say, well, I guess God failed. I guess God doesn't care. I guess the word isn't real. I guess this isn't true. No, you need to have that same tenacity as the Shunammite woman that says, I'm not leaving the promise. I'm not abandoning the promise. I'm not giving up on what God has spoken into my heart and given me in my life. I'm standing on the promise. Somebody hear me. When your children are rebellion, when your spouse are not saved, you need to stand on the promise that Peter declared to the household of Cornelius. Today, you and your household shall be saved. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. Stand on the promise. Believe God to do what he's promised to do. So Elisha went back with her to the house. Went up into the room by himself. You can read the scripture. It says he laid down over the boy. Hands to hand, eyes to eyes, mouth to mouth, breathed into him. Nothing happened. So he got up and he walked around again. You see, there's a lot of times we give up the first time. I'm just going to let my peace be disrupted and stolen because... I tried to stand on the promise, and it just flat didn't work. Nothing changed out there. Hear me, it's not about out there, it's about what changes in here. So what changes on the inside of you is about God breathing life into you and helping you stand in his peace. The Bible says that she even said to Elijah, I didn't ask for this to happen. It was your idea to give me a son. Your idea to give me this promise, stretched out over him, nothing happened. Stretched out over him, says he got up, he walked around, he was praying, folks, that's what he was doing. Saying, God, help me. God, honor your promise in this woman's life. And he stretched over that child again, and all of a sudden, the child breathed and coughed, and he realized it came back to life. He took him up and presented him to his mother. Why? Because she said, it's not about out there. It's about the peace that rules me. And the promise of God shall be completed. Somebody, hear me this morning. God wants to bring you to that place of peace. Bring you to that place where you understand, fight for, hang on. To the promise of God. You see, if she would have had a different attitude, if she had came unraveled, I'm pretty convinced this wouldn't have happened. But she said to her husband, all is well. She said to Elisha, all is well. She's saying, what I see is not going to be what I receive. Oh, somebody, hear me today. Understand that what you're seeing today is not the final result. It's not the end product. It's not where God's going to leave you. God's going to bring you through. It's time to stand up and say, all is well. All is well. All is well. Are there other examples? Yeah, there are. Let me share one more with you. The Bible tells us the story of Job in the book of Job. You know the story. He lost everything because Satan was testing him. Chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, it got to the point that even his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? Why don't you just get this over with? God's going to kill you anyway. Just curse God and die. Listen to her words. His wife said, do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. Now, you need to know the word integrity in Hebrew is also translated to innocence. 
Because Job was saying, I haven't done anything to deserve this. I haven't done anything to cause this to happen. But yet that was the mindset of his culture. If bad things happen to good people, good people must not be so good. You need to understand this morning that tests and trials and temptations and problems and difficulties come not because we're good, but because we're human. And we have a very real enemy whose name is Satan. She said, why don't you just curse God and die? Let go of your innocence. But he said to her in verse 10, you speak as a foolish woman speaks. Shall we accept good from God and not accept adversity? And in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. He maintained his innocence. Job chapter 27, he had three friends come to visit him. And guess what? They sang the same song that his his wife sang. Something must have happened. You did something wrong. You've displeased God. You've disobeyed. You've sinned. This is what he said in Job chapter 27, verse 5. This is from the Good News Version. I will never say that you men are right. I will never say that you're right. You're not going to tell me I did something wrong. I will never say you're right. I will insist on my innocence to my dying day. Oh, come on. Somebody needs to hear this. Because people have told you there's something wrong in your life or you wouldn't be going through this. I've got news for you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he said, you shall have trouble in this world, but be of good cheer because I have what? Come on, shout it out. I have overcome, overcome the world. That's what Job is saying. Verse 6, he says, I will never give up my claim to be right. My conscience is clear. What was he saying? He said, I'm responding to the promise that I am a heir of God, that I am a servant of God, that the Most High doesn't do this to his people, but the enemy of my soul does. And it's not because I've done something wrong. It's because I'm aligned with the right power. Hear that this morning. When trouble comes into your life, you can stand in peace because that's where God has positioned you to be. And then when the enemy comes to you, you can look him square in the eye and say, horns on the head, slew foot, you forgot your position. You were not up here in my face, but you were under my feet. You were not telling me lies. I'm hearing truth from the Lord God Almighty. I am a child of God. I am an overcomer. I am victorious. I am living in peace. In peace. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Father, you said that your son Jesus would give us peace. Peace that the world can't give. Peace that won't pass away. In this room this morning, there are people who need peace. Would you right now begin ministering into their lives? You're in this room this morning. I've talked about you two or three times already. You've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Today's your day. You hear and you say, I need that peace. I need forgiveness. I need hope for tomorrow. That's you. Right where you sit. Lift that hand up into the air and say, pray for me. Yes, someone else. Pray for me. I need peace. Yes, someone else. I need peace. Yes, sir. Someone else. Yes, sir. Someone else. Yes, ma'am. Someone else. Yes, I see your hand, sir. Someone else. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else, I need that peace that only God can give and only God can bring. That's me. Across this room, stand your feet with me. Those of you who lifted your hands, everybody else's head is bowed.
Those of you who lifted your hands, and there were six or seven, I want you to look directly at me, no one else. What you're about to do is the greatest thing you'll ever do in your entire life. That's receive the King of the universe as your Lord and Savior. That's ask Jesus to come into your heart and into your life and to transform you for all of eternity. To take away your sin and give you a new heart. So if you raise your hand, you're all the ones looking at me. Everybody else has their head bowed. Step out right now and come. Come on, right now. Do the best thing you've ever done in your entire life. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. Don't be concerned about what anybody thinks. This is between you and Jesus. And Jesus is going to do a powerful work in your heart and in your life this morning. Come on. Step out and come if you raise your hand. Come on. God's going to do a powerful work in your heart and in your life. Come on, anyone else? There are a few others. I'll wait just a moment. Just a moment. Come on, anyone else? Anyone else is wait just a moment. All right, bow your heads with me and pray this prayer with me together. Pastor Chris, in just a moment, I want you to take these guys and take them to 103 and pray with them specifically. Will you do that? Pray this out with me right now. Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to change my heart. I ask you to make me a child of God. I confess my sin to you. And by the power and the authority of your word, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Now fill my heart. Fill my life. Change me. Transform me. Every day, make me a new creation in Jesus Christ. If you prayed that prayer in faith right now, God's doing a work in your heart. A work of transformation, a work of forgiveness, a work of cleansing. And as He does that work in you, He's making you a new person on the inside. And He's taking up residence in your life. You'll never be the same because of Jesus because of Jesus. Come on, folks. Let's welcome them into the family this morning. Please go with Pastor Chris. Just turn to to your right and follow Pastor Chris. He's going to get you some more information. Pray with you specifically. Hallelujah. Now, if you're in this room this morning and you need peace, there are circumstances that are troubling you, problems that are confronting you that you don't have an answer to. You need peace. Would you just slip up that hand and say, pray for me, Pastor? Right now, I need the peace of God to flow into my heart and into my mind. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for your people. This is your people. These are your children. Lord, they're black, they're white, they're Hispanic, they're Asian. They're your children. And I pray right now that your peace would flow like a mighty river into their life. Touch them. Encourage them. Strengthen them. Let them one more time focus their attention upon the living God because your promise says I will keep him I will guard him with complete peace whose mind is focused stayed on me right now Father put their attention on you help them to focus on you and let the peace of God like a mighty river flow into them right now for these great and precious promises make us partakers of your divine nature. Give us the same peace that Jesus showed when questioned by Pilate. 
when beaten by the Roman centurions and soldiers, when nailed to a cross, give us the same peace that he displayed. Let it flow through our lives today. In the name of Jesus, I ask it. And in the name of Jesus, I pray. I'm going to ask Tom to sing a song that says, I got saved. I love this song. Hope you like it as much as I do. If not, too bad, because I tell him what to sing, all right? I love this song. It's a great message. And as he begins to sing, if you're a student, if you're a teacher, an administrator, a classroom aide, if you're involved in any way in education, or a student, would you step out and come? And I want you to face the audience. Those of you who are responding, uh, come and face the audience. We want to pray with you this morning. If you're in any of those categories, come on, Couture's Bar, Kids Infant, Kid Power, bring them right on down here, line them up right across the front. Others, if you're a student in any capacity, a teacher, an administrator, if you're involved in education in any way, come, stand here, and I want you to face the, the congregation, all right? Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.